2: Welcome to Upfront Dan Under. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. It's probably business time now. Wins for France and Colombia mean our last eight are set. Today, we're looking ahead to this weekend's quarterfinals where there are some tasty, tasty little matchups. Here's hoping England actually play well plus we wonder why the smaller nations at this tournament have enjoyed so much success is the gap closing Uh, just a quick reminder follow us on twitter and instagram we are at upfront underscore pod first up let's catch up on the latest results starting with france morocco france walked away with a space in the quarterfinals 4-0 4-0 against Morocco. I mean, Rach, this was absolute one-way traffic. Morocco, I think everyone expected, because there has been a few upsets, there has been a few kind of, you know, close calls for some of the larger nations. I think people were thinking, OK, well, this could actually be Morocco's time to shine. They've made it out of the group stages. That was amazing. They they put in some pretty tasty performances before defensively. But this time, they just fell apart. They completely fell apart. And France had absolute... I mean, they run riot, didn't they? Run riot.
3: Yeah, I think um, maybe this was just one step too many for Morocco. Um, I know, obviously, we're talking about a very good France performance, uh, some good goals, but equally, I can't help looking at some of the goals and thinking, oh my God, defensively, it was really poor. And I just think maybe it was that one step too far. A little bit of fatigue, that kind of thing. And equally, I feel like France have been getting better as the tournament has gone on. So never a good time to to come up against a France that are in their flow. Um, so yeah, I think maybe it was just a case of that. But then equally, I think we were all just a bit, we're all a bit scared to predict things now because we're never really too sure how things are going to go. If this tournament has taught you anything is that you're probably going to be wrong when you predict something. So it also made that game hard to predict, um, but perhaps not hugely surprising that it was France that progressed.
2: Yeah, to be fair, I mean I've got to agree, Rach. I mean you could see how it was going to go from literally the fifteen minutes in. I mean Diani, the completely unmarked header, and it wasn't even a powerful header. It was just a case of like she sort of walked into the box and sort of happened to be in the right place at the right time and just sort of like angled her head right towards the goal and it fell in. And like Morocco players, I mean they didn't seem. To, I think from that moment, from the first from that first goal, they seemed to just completely fall apart. But I think this seems to be Diani's kind of. Everyone knows that she's amazing. Absolutely. Un- Real player, but I feel like it's with Lauren James, like there are just moments that kind of put players on the map on an international scale that, that other teams are starting to think, okay, well, this is something that we really need to just keep an eye out. Um, I mean, Morocco looked bloody shattered, obviously, an amazing time getting out of the group stages, but I do feel like this this was the point in which they, they had to drop off they, that they, they've reached a limit essentially of where they're at sort of professionally in terms of the investment in the game, obviously being their sort of first time tournament um you know, two professionally like full professional leagues back in, in their country um, invested in facilities. But I feel like this is one that we sort of need to earmark as a future, you know, women's world cup proper competitor and to make it through to like the quarterfinals next time round. I mean, do you kind of see that happening or do you think we're still quite far away from that position?
3: I would say, well, look, I think we're learning and we're going to touch on this a little bit later in the pod, but like the changes that can happen in such a short space of time, the changes we're seeing that have happened in women's football in in the last four years, for example, um, they're a country you don't want to sleep on because they are investing. I think we saw it on the men's side as well at the Men's World Cup. Um, I think it was Jill Ellis who said that she'd visited their National Football Centre, whatever, and said the facilities were unreal. Um, So, you know, they're showing what they can do with investment. Uh, A lot of these teams are. Um, And bloody hell, a lot of teams are showing what they can do without the right investment. So, you know, it's definitely, definitely exciting for the future. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if we see them in in another World Cup.
2: Yeah, I think um, that's a really fair assessment. I think they've done as well as to be... Well, they've done better than expected. Um, and I was sort of looking at, you know, some of their stats and things like that, especially around sort of, you know, some of the goalkeeping that's been taking place. And, and they were sort of saying, well, you know, they it, 28% of the saves were made. So I feel like it, defensively, Morocco still have a way to go. And they weren't really presenting too much up front either. But... Um, But they were a very excited team to watch. I mean, it was absolutely beautiful, that moment sort of in the group stages towards the end where they'd just finished their game and they were kind of waiting to see what the outcome of the Germany-South Korea game was. And they were like huddled around their phone, like, are we going to go through? And then the whole team just exploded. And I just thought that was such a a beautiful moment and a moment that I think, you know, this tournament has really benefited from. Um, So, yeah, but France now, France looking very bloody fierce, sort of coming up. I feel like they've been sort of one of the subtle The subtle leaders of the pack, in a way, like a Japan. I don't think anyone was really sort of paying that much attention to them, and now all of a sudden, everyone's like, "Oh, oh shit, yeah, France! Remember France? Remember how good they were? Like, look at what they've got, and now they take on Australia in the quarterfinals, which is obviously going to be such a a beautiful match to watch in the stadium because obviously the Australian fans. I I mean, this is a big matchup for them. This is do or die. I feel like for Australia. but what do you think their chances are? Do you reckon Australia have it to get through to the semi-finals in the, in the year of their, host, their hosting duties?
3: It's going to be tough. And I was in the queue for, what was I queuing for? Probably a coffee or a flight. You know, of one of the two things I queue for um, here. Those are the only things uh, that happen, and the only really? thing I seem to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was uh, two guys behind me talking, and uh, he was basically saying, you know, get into the quarterfinals. Is the, is the minimum for the Matildas but if they make the <laughs> wow. semi-finals they'll have overachieved and I was like what? <laughs> how mm-hmm. can like mm-hmm. quarter-finals m- absolute bare minimum semi-finals bloody hell you've overachieved like, <laughs> it's, it's like you've gone so, too far lads really not Step, much Rain it in <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> like what's the what's the acceptable meet middle there like it's either one or the other um, so according to this guy they're either going to massively underachieve or massively overachieve and there's no in between <laughs> but I think yeah as you were saying brands have subtly been getting better and to be honest I don't think anyone has really come out and stamped their mark on the tournament I think Japan has come closest to doing that Yeah, I'd but say. even against Norway there were areas that they looked vulnerable and um, and I think it's basically showing that not nobody's infallible. Like, every team is, is potentially beatable. Um, and it just gives every team confidence then, I suppose. And it's probably the teams that are more expected to win these games that are going to have more of the pressure. But equally... Australia are going to have a lot of pressure on them. I think they had a lot of pressure on them in the Canada game and they dealt mm-hmm. with that really well. And that's probably massively buoyed them now going further in this competition. And the further they go, the more likely they are to get Sam Kerr back. And we talked about her coming back uh, in the previous match for those few minutes, which we did question was whether it was worth it or not. Um, and if they can get her back for this game, it could be so exciting. It is going to be so exciting, whatever happens. Well, going back just slightly,
2: uh, obviously, we did also have the Columbia Jamaica game as well yesterday. Columbia walking away with, again, a spot in the quarterfinals for the first time in their history. It would have been the first time for either one of them to go through. Everyone was super excited, and everyone back home felt like it felt like they were watching this game, no matter what time it was, because obviously, this was going to be the team that played. Uh, England in the quarterfinals and I can't say that either had either one of them gone through I would have felt overly confident about it given the performances in the group stages. Um, but I mean it was such an evenly matched battle. I mean, possession wise, they pretty much had 50% each apiece. I mean, the chances in the first kind of twenty minutes, again, they were very evenly matched. Not a lot, there was seem to be a lot of transitional play, but then it sort of fell apart in the final thirds for both of them. Um again, I thought Linda Casido was absolutely outstanding. Um, probably should have converted more chances, but I don't think she always got the kind of deliveries that she kind of needed. But I mean, Rach, how did you think the match went? Do you, would you sort of based on what you've seen with the Colombia Jamaica game? Do you think there was enough in there to be really concerned about Colombia, or do we think again these are one of the teams that have kind of maybe run their run their course in the competition?
3: No, I think I would be worried about Colombia. Um, <laughs> I was at the match last night. That's the it. The atmosphere was incredible. Be very fucking scared. <laughs> well, the Colombia fans were unreal, and when the two teams came out, the way they the Colombians sang their anthem. Like you could feel the passion like vibrating from them. And um, they were so up for it. And they really, really backed themselves and really, really believed themselves. Now the first half I thought was pretty poor. Um, I don't even, I'm not sure we had five minutes of continual play at any point in that half because it was so bitty and there was everyone was going down. Anytime someone touched them, they were down rolling around and they needed the physio or the ref or whatever. Like, at one point, Ramirez went down and the ref came over and was just basically like, get up. And she was like, right, yeah, yeah, sorry. And she got straight back <laughs> up again. Like, it was just constantly, you'd have the camera up, camera down again. There's someone down injured. Ready for a shot, down again. So the first half was not really one to ride home about. And I thought... While it may have seemed evenly matched, I think Colombia had the better of the of the forward play. It didn't feel like Jamaica were pushing enough, especially in the first half. Um, and at one point, Bunny Shaw seemed to be the only one pressuring the back line. and she looked around and realised how much space there was behind her, between her and her midfielders. Um, and it wasn't really until Usme scored that Jamaica were like, "We need a goal." Um, and that was when they started driving forward. They almost scored straight away after that goal. The header hit the post. Um. I think Colombia's front three are a frightening prospect. Uzme's goal, if you look at that goal, the way she took it down, the way she put it in the back of the net, like the, the technique on that was beautiful. Um Caithera, Uzme and Ramirez up front are a frightening trio. They're so confident on the ball, their technique is so good, their footwork is is scary. Um and I, I kind of I made the bold decision, which I don't normally do, which is I switched I switched ends and normally I stay the same end when I'm shooting and I think I'll just get both sides shooting, it doesn't matter. And I was like, no, I feel like Colombia are gonna have this. I'm gonna switch ends. And I did, and she scored the goal in front of me. And I don't know if you've seen the photo of her on her knees with her arms in the air. Uh, I'm literally the photographer right behind her shooting her. I literally got like every single... She celebrated in so many different ways. She's right in front of me. And when she walked off and the game went to turn around, the photographers next to me were just going, yes, oh my God,
1: yes. Because
3: like, we'd all <laughs> gotten this shot. and We couldn't believe that. It was like she was like posing for us. Um, but I felt like once they got that goal, they were like, this is ours. We're like, this is... we're winning this. Um, But then at the same time, Jamaica suddenly woke up, uh, hit the post. And then in the 88th minute, I think it was Drew Spence who nodded the ball, like, inches wide. um, And it just felt a little bit too little too late from Jamaica. Um, So, yeah, I'd be worried about Colombia. I mean, I thought Jamaica did well harnessing Caetano. They didn't give her a huge amount of space to play in, which they did really well, which is what England are going to have to do. Um, She still broke through a few times and she probably should have scored once or twice. Um, but I do think defensively, in the second half particularly, Jamaica did better. Um, I thought there were a little bit of the, you know, it was their own undoing a little bit in the first half, just finding each other with passes and they passing the ball out and stuff like that. It just took both teams a little while, I think, to get into the game. Um, but the second half was very exciting.
2: I think it was that. I think um, obviously Jamaica hadn't conceded up until this game um, and I feel like they'd set up really defensively and the only outlet seemed to be Bunny Shaw and then every time Bunny Shaw lost the ball and Bunny, I mean, for this game, for someone who's six foot tall and a lot taller than quite a small Colombian side, Bunny did spend a lot of time going to ground which I just thought was a little bit, because I mean, it, it, that didn't help the pressure because the, the whole tactic was get the ball to Bunny Shaw but then Bunny Shaw would go down they'd lose the ball and they would quickly over in transition again with Columbia. Columbia. I think Jamaica got let off quite lightly with a couple of like misplaced Colombian passes in the final third. But yeah, this was um this was Jamaican side that didn't really have much going up top and then all of a sudden, like you said, like as soon as that goal was scored, it was like, Oh shit oh, shit, we've actually got to do something now. Um, let's get cracking, shall we go? And then everyone, it was just all guns played. Drew Spence was shooting from outside the box. Then she got that uh, the header that I thought was kind of going to be there, you know, taking them into extra time and then possibly they might win it on on penalties. they it had I mean,
3: gone to extra time, Chloe, I swear to God. I mean, that did seem to be sort of a
2: little bit of a trend that was starting to happen with, these, uh, with the, the, the uh, final the games. Every time 16 I went games. to a game.
3: yeah I was like I'm gonna leave I got the shot I'm gonna go if it goes to extra time okay I've already got the money shot whatever (laughs) happens (laughs) but I've got to say
2: I think ultimately I think the better team did win and I think Colombia I mean their track record sort of like in terms of like discipline they absolutely nailed it I mean they are the third worst for fouls conceded they're only below USA obviously now knocked out and France so yeah they broke up the play they sort of capitalized on the sort of very rare chances that they had and at least they were providing things going forwards and not just sitting back and just sort of waiting uh for for the tanks to arrive which was what Jamaica did but no I feel sorry for Jamaica obviously an upsetting one but have done absolutely amazing things this year and again put themselves on the map so and it was also one of the better matches to watch in terms of the fan base because the Jamaican fans and the Colombian fans were bringing absolute vibes to that game
1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer. Softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
2: That now means England take on Colombia on Saturday. At 11.30 UK time, it's like the gods, it's like the end of the evening over here, I think it's 8.30 for us. Um, and if it goes into extra time and then penalties, neither one of us will probably be seeing it into Sunday, to be honest, at, at our end. Um, obviously, there are some big concerns around the England squad, given what we saw against Nigeria and how close we came to making a final 16 exit. Um, Rach, what do we think needs to improve first off? Because I am a little bit... I'm a little bit worried, to be honest, that, that this game could be the end of us.
3: Well, I think Jamaica showed, especially in the second half, that you can create chances against the Colombian backline. Um So England are going to need to be clinical with those chances. Uh, they haven't been as clinical as we would have liked in three of the four games that they've played. Um, so that's going to be really hugely important. Um, the only thing is that the game that they were so good in a lot of that came through the middle from Lauren James, who obviously won't be playing this game. So that's going to be one of the key factors. I know we talk a lot about defense, but actually England have um, haven't conceded from open play in this tournament. Um, so uh, Mary that will be the only the first thing.
2: keeper to keep a hundred percent save ratio if you take around, if you take out penalties. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: So that would be the first thing: is that you know being clinical when the chances are created is hugely important. Um, I think. I'd be interested to see whether they're gonna go with a back four or a back three. I think a back three would be better uh, if you're gonna be dealing with the likes of Uzme, Ramirez, Caicedo. And I think we can't get only distracted by Caicedo. There she's not the only player who can score goals. Do you think we'll keep Greenwood, Bright,
2: and Carter at the back and then do Rachel um with Daly and Bronze sort of as the kind of like higher wing backs, do you reckon? Do you think that'll sort of be a, a feature? Yeah,
3: yeah. I think I think that would be a better idea if you want to be because obviously they need to get forward and score goals but they need to be able to contain those front three and and not only focus on um Linda Caicedo uh, like as I was saying there like Santos nearly scored a diving header at one point i think it was her at the end of the match only for a really good Becky Spencer save so you know there's a lot of tools in in the Colombian arsenal so that's the thing i think maybe a back three will be better for that um, and i'm just intrigued to see how england set up through the middle because that didn't work uh, very well against Nigeria and a lot of that was down to Nigeria's tactics as well. So yeah, there's it's look, it's going to be how Serena takes all of those pieces like we said and makes a new puzzle um this time round, but it is going to be a tough test.
2: I think it's going to be really interesting to see what she does with the top 3. Um the sorry the, the 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 front three. I think um obviously with James out, I didn't think Russo had a particularly good game. I thought Chloe added a lot of spark up front. I thought England when she came on produced a lot of spark. I thought Hemp had a relatively good game, but again Hemp and Russo were both subbed off for the Nigeria game. So I don't know what she's going to do up front. I think defensively, I think we're I think we feel I feel I think we feel pretty solid with the kind of like the three at the back and then the sort of wings. And then obviously Stanway in there I'm not. I don't know whether she's going to keep Walsh in there. Walsh to me didn't feel like she was fully fit, and also I, I know I keep saying this, but I just think she didn't. She shouldn't have not used Zellum again because Zellum was very confident in that um, the China game, and I think she should have been given another opportunity. And also, you don't want to bring Walsh back it's because if she's the not fully pivot. there. Um, oh, I get that, but I just I don't I don't think that particularly worked.
3: No, as in it worked with Zellum, but then they didn't use a double pivot really when Walsh was there. Walsh was playing more of a defensive, and it just. It was like trying to play the, the new system, but like with the old midfield or something. It just didn't it didn't work. Whereas Zelleman and Stamway worked so well together, I would have stuck with that. And I'd, I'd quite like to see that again.
2: I think that's going to happen. So I think we're going to see the three at the back, Carter Bright, Greenwood, Bronze, and Daly on the wings, Stamway and Zellem. And then up top, what are we saying? I think this could be an opportunity for England to get a start. What are we
3: saying? I don't know, because if you're going to play a double pivot, you need someone replacing... Lauren James. Now that could be Ella tune, but she's not that she's not in favor, but like she was due to come on in the Nigeria game and then yeah. James got sent off and she sat back down again. So it's whether you bring in, do you bring in, I don't know, do you put Jordan Nobbs in the 10? Like, do you try something different? Like those two outlets of Russo and Hemp, I thought worked quite well in the first game because they were being more direct. Whereas with the Nigeria game, they were going too wide. James wasn't getting ball so Russo wasn't getting ball and um, Hemp was, was drifting out to the to the in the wings so I kind of wonder whether Jordan Nobbs I don't know whether she will because she's not necessarily getting any game time but she could be quite an interesting alternative and then having the two up front could be a bit more effective in that format
2: God can you imagine if Nobbs does play like the level of rotation that has happened in this squad so Incredible. far would be like who hasn't got minutes yet so it'd be Neve Charles Lot of- Lotta Wuben Moy. Obviously, the goalkeepers. Neve Charles
3: came on against China. Oh, yeah,
2: she did. Okay, so it'd just be Lottwee and Moy, the two goalkeepers, and then that's it. Esme Morgan hasn't Mm. come on. Uh, And Katie Robinson, she hasn't come on either, has she? Yeah. That's it. So what's that like?
3: When you compare to the the Euros, that's huge rotation. That's
2: massive. Absolutely massive. Look, Serena doing very different things. I mean, she's had to, really. Let's put that
3: out there, Chloe. (laughs) (laughs) Let's <laughs> put it out there into the atmosphere
2: maybe we'll see Esme Morgan at the back we'll see Katie Robinson coming on for hemp we'll see Jordan Nobbs slotting into the air into the Lauren James role and we'll see a completely everyone's been used I mean fuck it just
3: throw Roebuck I don't don't think that's going to happen (laughs) yeah that's too far for her
2: come on why not at this stage it does feel like a very why not kind of tournament uh, for the Lionesses Um, so yeah do you think Zellum's going to be replacing Kira Walsh and Lauren James potentially with Jordan Nobbs or possibly Tooney, who I think has been that's, more, that's more what I flat. want. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I mean, Ellen White um, and the squad uh, spoken out recently think the adversity in the Nigeria game will bind the squad together. Ellen said, The way they got there, being down to 10 players for the whole of extra time and not being at their best for most of the match will only help galvanise them for whatever tests they face next week. I think... Um, in a way, I do feel like there are some similarities with the way that Nigeria play and the way that Colombia play in terms of like the pace they have up front, how direct they are, and also being very kind of like underdog mentality. And I'm, I do, I'm a little bit concerned about using the term underdog because Nigeria were not a fucking underdog in that last game. They were very much a titan, and we looked not impressive. Um, but I do think there is some, there's some levels there that I mean, we we keep heralding on that you know the China the China game was so amazing. We sort of came into form, but China were. Quite crap. Um, So I do feel like there are takeaway points. All right, go on, go on.
3: No, I agree. I think we got a bit blindsided or a bit kind of starstruck by the China performance and thought, it's all clicked, we're going to be fine. And actually that wasn't really the case. But in terms of the adversity thing, like that was the first game without Kira Walsh. And actually they stepped up and they, they did well in her absence. And I wonder if there'll be a similar kind of feeling in the camp without LJ in the squad um i don't know maybe we're overthinking it but like i mean have you experienced that when in your career when when adversity has maybe like brought the squad together we're seeing it with bloody hell your jamaica nigeria you know that they're coming together on the pitch incredibly well and fighting for each other um and i just wonder have you experienced that kind of thing in your career
2: well, Rach, being a part of women's football uh, for so many decades now, <laughs> you do constantly face... Adver- there's a continuous level of adversity in the background to everything you do whilst you play. Um, but I think I've got to pick out like the season that Spurs got promoted into the uh, WSL. I mean... The players were, we were all working full-time jobs. You know, we had players going out injured. We had like, we were up and down the country. We were absolutely all shattered. We were fighting behind the scenes for things that should be going on. We were being paid absolutely nothing. Um, and that season was the season that we made it. And yeah, there was a bit of luck on our side. That was also the season that there was two uh, teams being promoted into the WSL because Man United had obviously stormed uh, that particular season being the only uh, full-time uh, team in the competition at that point. But I think um, it does. It really, because you're all going through the same experience, and there's no other people on the planet, apart from the people in that squad, who are going through that same experience at that same time. And I think where you do have the weight of expectation, because you've gone through that adversity, you want to get something out of it. You want to say, okay, well, yeah, we had these challenges, but fucking hell, look at what we did with it. Like, I think there is definitely a, a turnaround mentality you can get from like facing the shit. Um, so, yeah, maybe it will be kind of, it won't be the best. We could see the lionesses go to the final and even win the World Cup. And it won't, be the, it won't be the best performances we ever had. It won't be the same kind of feeling as the Euros, but my God, they will have been through absolute hell and back. Um, so, yeah, but a win's a win. And a World Cup trophy True. is a World Cup trophy.
3: Let's try and get through the quarterfinals first.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. I got totally ahead of myself there. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> I got it was a bit much. It was a bit much. Um, right. Well, I think the one takeaway point from the Columbia and Jamaica game is that obviously there does seem to be a bit of a moment now in terms of like the smaller nations having dropped out. I mean, you know, the, we've lost the likes of, um, you know, Morocco. We've lost Jamaica. Uh, we've lost Nigeria. Um, I'd say Switzerland as well. South Africa. Um, we've lost those squads that have really have, are absolutely shown their worth, absolutely shown their mettle, but also it does feel like there is now kind of like movement into, okay, well, these are the squads that are being funded, do have a certain level of resources, do have a certain level of like domestic leagues, and like the, the sort of professionalism in their domestic leagues and things like that. Um, you know, do we think that sort of, even though they've had this exposure, that this has been a good year for them, um, would you say?
3: Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, there was the the FIFA's technical study group did a uh, like a, a kind of press conference type thing, and and they spoke about, um, you know, why are these countries, you know, suddenly why is that gap suddenly closing? Um, Samantha Lewis, Australian, wrote a, an article for ABC Australia on that kind of press conference, summarising it, and they they kind of analysed the matches so far and noticed some really significant trends, particularly in the lower ranked teams in terms of how they managed their games against the the favorite opponent opponents. So on average, teams have become more compact, especially through the middle of the field. So that's making it harder to, to break through the lines, to create chances and to score goals. So goals per game has decreased compared to the last World Cup, which we probably have, would have noticed. Um, and additionally, newer and lower ranked teams, they're scoring... Goals earlier in the game themselves earlier than they're used to, um, at a, so that's kind of an interesting statistic. Um, so that combined with the fact that they're becoming more, they're a bit more compact, has made them harder for bigger teams to to break down and then go on to win these games. Um, there's a reduced number of goals overall, obviously down to better goalkeeping as well. We're seeing that with a number of goalkeepers throughout the tournament. Um, and the, the the technical group has kind of put these developments down to off-field improvements that have happened around the world you know the knock-on effect of improvements off the field particularly say at club level and you're seeing more you know technically proficient tactically flexible teams and which I don't think necessarily these bigger nations in inverted commas have adapted to we're also seeing better managers who are kind of looking at them and saying right what's our strength and how do we utilize that you know are we going to get better at counter-attacking football and if we're going to be solid to break down stuff like that I think they're The teams are kind of recognising and using their strengths really, really well as well. Um, So I think it's a combination of factors and also the kind of growth of the game in the last four years has been exponential. Um, So it's quite exciting, actually, because it makes me think, you know, next World Cup, who are going to be the underdogs? I don't know. Absolutely.
2: And I think um, we got sent like a uh, a stat pack from um, Opta. Uh, in the for just to sum up the sort of um the, the group stages and out of things like pressure applied uh, high pressure applied uh, pressures applied in the final third um, high pressure applied in the final third this is all broken down and the teams that are by far at the top of these stats every single time Zambia, Ireland, Costa Rica, uh, China, Jamaica, Haiti, um, Colombia. Like at the bottom, we're seeing the likes of Norway, uh, the USA uh, for high pressure applied in the final third. Spain down the bottom, England down the bottom, the Netherlands. And I just think that I think that's what these to- these sides are bringing to the tournament is that they, whilst it might not be the most effective strategy because you do one tie yourself out until you can't continue to maintain that level of constant press and it does obviously expose you at the back what it does bring is an exciting direct challenging pressurized game of football and i think that's what we have seen with some of the teams like haiti like nigeria i mean they've been outstanding it makes it more exciting and definitely a better product so for me i can only see that growing and growing um but in terms of we now look forward we now look forward because there are some massive massive blockbuster games in front of us we have got some big big matchups now this is where the, the, it just gets juicy, really fucking juicy. So we've got Spain, Netherlands, we've got Japan, Sweden, we've got Australia, France, and we've got England, Colombia coming up. It is big. Uh, Rach, let's just do a quick run through. Spain, Netherlands, who's taking the who's taking the win?
3: Uh, Spain. Okay. Japan,
2: Sweden, who are we saying? Japan. Yeah, me too, and me too on Spain as well. Okay. Australia, France, who are we saying? Ooh. oh this is the tough i'm gonna say it?
3: france purely because yeah purely because i said france right at the beginning of the tournament so i'm just gonna stick to that
2: okay i'll go australia on that one and we'll put a schooner on it right
3: england colombia mm. mate come on <laughs> stop messing based about. on recent form colombia based on recent form i say Colombia. you are you as
2: if you've I, just I spoken want england that to into existence all right no no, we're not ending on that. England for the win all day. And that's where we're going to end. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Upfront. We'll be back on Saturday after all the quarterfinal matches, including England's big win against Colombia. If I jinxed it? Remember to subscribe in your podcast yes. app and get in touch with your questions. In the meantime, on Twitter and Instagram, I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rach is at Girls on the Ball. And we are at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube at Upfront Pod. See you next Saturday.
0: Upfront is a stack production and part of the ACAST creator network.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter.